Welcome to Faith in Capital, a show where persons and communities of Christian faith are invited to engage the system of capitalism theologically and ethically, or you might say from a faith perspective. I'm your host, Chase Tibbs. Holy Saturday is probably the most terrorizing day of Holy Week. For me, Holy Saturday represents defeat. It is the day in which the very real power of death stares us in the face and claims a victory in the war between forces for life and systems and social orders and relationships of death. The body of Christ crucified. The bodies of the world's resistant peoples. The bodies of the world's displaced. The black, indigenous, and Latinx bodies. The female and gender non-conforming bodies. The bodies of the working poor and of those who have been rendered completely disposable, pushed entirely out of capitalism's labor and consumer markets. The bodies of the sanctioned, the incarcerated, the colonized, the bombed, and the tortured. Holy Saturday, for me, is a day that reveals the reality of defeat. A day that turns our attention to the bodies that are no longer moving, in the lungs that are no longer breathing. Because the powers and principalities of this world, the ideologies and systems of imperialism and exploitation and neocolonialism and death, do often win. And that is scary as hell. <laughs> I get it. It's scary for me too. And so here we are, sitting in the silence, perhaps the shock, maybe the terror, of Holy Saturday. But this is not how most Christians, in the U.S. at least, tend to think about or approach this day. Despite the mass death and suffering that constitutes our current world order, many experience the brutality of Holy Week as a week of joy and progress. Holy Week, for many Christians, is not a narrative that reorients our lives toward faithful resistance even in the face of state-sanctioned torture and the likely defeat of our liberative struggles. Rather, Holy Week is, like the great nation of the United States of America, a story of progress, of exceptionality, of triumph. Though we live in a world with great destitution and agony, they grab onto the shallow feelings of positivity and impose it upon the brutally dominated and oppressed around them. And that's what I'd like us to reflect upon just for a moment. Positivity culture, internalized and projected by unorganized and non-resistant, exploited and oppressed people, is just another way that systems and relationships of sin and domination are reproduced. Let me say that again, but in a different way. Insisting on feelings of positivity, demanding that the people around you be wishful and happy, and, of course, preaching a gospel of positivity primarily serves to reinforce and prop up and hide the reality of defeat in the systems of death that work against the well-being of the vast majority of human beings, non-human creatures, and the planet. And while there is an important difference to be made between, on one hand, 
the commands for positivity that come from people who aren't actually struggling for collective liberation and freedom in their communities, and on the other, the grounded hope that resistant peoples and communities share in with one another, I am specifically referring to the wishful positivity held by folks who refuse to look their own suffering and the suffering of others in the face and then commit their lives to fighting for a shared liberation. There is a way in which our cultural obsession with positivity is essential for systems of violence to persist in the world, which might be one reason why Holy Week, or Holy Saturday, excuse me, is mostly avoided for many U.S. Christians. And I think it's worth noting that capitalism depends upon positivity culture because it has to endlessly sell us stuff. And you can't sell sadness or reality as fast as you can sell shallow, instant feelings of happiness, right? And so there's an inerrant violence to the positivity culture that plagues Christianity today, insofar as it props up and distracts us from the very real systems of death. We deny the defeat of Holy Saturday. We erase the lived experiences of the crucified and the buried. And on the rare occasion we do recognize suffering, we blame the oppressed for their own suffering. And it is in these three ways in which the violence of positivity persists. The obsession with choosing to be happy and feel good is one way in which we consciously and unconsciously deny the hunger, the homelessness, the soreness in our overworked bodies. Denial is essential for the myths of Christian exceptionalism and American innocence and race and gender-blind meritocracy because if we deny current systems of oppression and exploitation, we don't have to do anything about them. Like Pontius Pilate, we wash our hands clean of present inequalities, unjust hierarchies, and the death that results from U.S. imperialism. But in denying the present moment, we not only refuse to acknowledge the defeat and the loss, we also create false narratives of ourselves and others that serve to erase any past violence as well. In the U.S., for example, look at how we've erased working-class struggle from common knowledge. Even though it is our history and our lives have been profoundly uh, shaped and informed by it, we cannot call it to mind because it has long been denied. We erase memory of violence and we erase memory of resistance. Perhaps more obvious is our endless erasure of current and past struggles for black liberation and indigenous resistance. We've erased any memory of the truth that the United States of America's wealth and power has at its foundations genocide and slavery. And instead, Republican and Democratic politicians of all racial groupings and genders and sexual preferences tell us that we are an exceptional people, innocent at the core of our intent, and founded upon righteous values by righteous men. What a terrifying erasure of past sin and resistance, which now continues to keep us from seeing who we continue to be in the present. And lastly, denial and erasure often leads us to blaming the crucified peoples of the world. 
One example of this would be the blaming of Palestinian Muslims living under the weight of the U.S.-backed Israeli apartheid. The violence of the Israeli state and the U.S.'s involvement continue to be denied. The erasure of Palestinian resistance and suffering persists. And it is often that we are subjected to corporate media's blaming of the Palestinians for their own suffering by portraying them as the ones who incite the Israeli military, portraying them as a people who need civilized, educated, freed, and destroyed. And positivity culture is one tool of the ruling elite that compels us to escape the real world. But as a people being reformed and renewed in the way of the cross, Holy Saturday could reorient our minds and our habits and our relationships toward the reality of defeat. Instead of internalizing positivity culture and imposing it upon others, instead of propping up the systems of death that work against the well-being of God's beloved creation, and especially the masses of exploited, oppressed, and crucified peoples, Holy Saturday could guide us into the unsettling reality that death does win sometimes. And it's important that we acknowledge death in our lives, because if we ever hope to truly know the revolutionary power of resurrection, we have to know what we need resurrected from. I'm recording this episode the morning of April 6, uh, 2020, and for the next minute, I thought we could end this episode with a minute of silence for the hundreds of thousands of lives that will be unnecessarily lost to the coronavirus. This world has been built for the power, profits, and pleasures of a few, which means the health and well-being of the masses has been reduced to second. And so for the next minute, wherever you are, I invite you to sit with me in silence for the bodies that have already been and will continue to be prematurely laid in the grave. <laughs> 